You know, Ronald Reagan used to tell a story about a time when he and his wife Nancy were walking through a cemetery, reading the epitaphs on the, on the headstones. And they came to one marker that read, Here lies an honest man and a politician. <laughs> Reagan looked at Nancy and said, Isn't that something? Two men buried in the same grave. Well, after that, this next picture will make sense. <laughs> I mean, you know, research surveys tell us that the majority of Americans, no matter, no matter who you're voting for, and I, I'm going to vote, but more so than any time in my lifetime, it's a vote against more than a vote for. But uh, surveys tell us that uh, the vast majority of Americans don't like either of our presidential candidates. That the vast majority of Americans don't believe either of them are honest. That they'll fudge the truth if it suits their purposes. And yet the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 12 verse 22 that the Lord detests lying lips. In fact, it literally means it's an abomination to God. What he delights in, takes joy in, is those who tell the truth. So today as we um, wrap up this teaching series, People Jesus Bragged On, we're going to look at a man Jesus bragged on because he had tremendous integrity. He was a man of honesty, of genuineness, who told the truth and didn't try to deceive people, didn't try to trick people. He was just real. He was honest. And Jesus bragged on him. In fact, I'm going to suggest that Jesus paid him a higher compliment than according to the New Testament he paid any of the other 12 disciples. So I invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. It's the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He's been baptized by John the Baptist, and now he's calling his very first followers, his very first disciples. And in a few brief verses in this chapter, the first five disciples that are called are are identified. And it's the fifth of those disciples we're going to focus on this morning that Jesus bragged on. John and Andrew were followers of John the Baptist. And when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, uh, John pointed Jesus out to them. And so John the disciple and Andrew became followers or disciples of Jesus. And you'll remember the story in chapter 1. Andrew went and got someone and brought him to Jesus. Got his brother. And uh, his brother was Peter. Brought him to Jesus. So we pick up the story in the next day. So now you have Jesus with John, Andrew, and Peter as disciples. And, uh, and the next day the story begins in chapter 1 at verse 43. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read these verses together. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 43. The Bible says that the next day, he, being Jesus, he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, said to Philip, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Now look at verse 45. Philip found someone, Nathanael. And he said to him, he said to Nathanael, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, the Messiah, the one the Old Testament said was to come. And um, he's Jesus of Nazareth. He's from Nazareth, son of Joseph. 
Nathanael answered in verse 46, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, said to Jesus, How do you know me? How do you know all about me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called to you, before he ever spoke to you, when you were under the fig tree, when you were sitting under that fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Father, speak to our hearts and minds. And even if you have to cut through some of the stuff that we put between us and you, those things that keep us from really being open to your voice, Father, break through and talk to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. So very simply in this story, Philip, who has become a new follower of Jesus, finds his friend Nathaniel. And he says to Nathaniel, we have found the Messiah. Now, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the book of Acts, Nathaniel is referred to as Bartholomew, same person. Nathaniel is his first name. Bartholomew is, a, is, 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 is the word bar, which means son of, and Tholomew, meaning the son of Ptolemy. And so his name really is Nathaniel, Bartholomew, Nathaniel, the son of Ptolemy. So they're talking about the same person. John always refers to him as Nathaniel. The other gospel writers always refer to him as Bartholomew, but the same, the same person. And, and Philip says to Nathaniel, we have found the person that Moses and the prophets in the Old Testament wrote about, the one who was going to come as Messiah and king. And Nathaniel had questions about that. He was a little bit skeptical. That's the reason in verse 46 he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He really wasn't putting down the village of Nazareth the way we read it in English. See, Nathaniel, we know from later in John's gospel, lived in, in a town called Cana, where Jesus later would perform his first miracle. Cana was located four miles from Nazareth, so it's like from here to Newport. He, he knew the place, he knew the people. It was his home area. Nazareth was, a, was a, a small village that probably had no more than 200 residents. It's where, where Jesus had grown up, so to speak. The reason for Nathaniel's skepticism was he knew the Bible. And he knew that nowhere in the Old Testament does it say that the Messiah would have anything to, any connection to Nazareth. He knew that the Old Testament said the one that Moses wrote about and the prophets wrote about would be born in Bethlehem. And so Nazareth, he didn't know the whole story yet because he didn't know where Jesus had been born. But Philip responded in a very mature way. Well, come and check it out. Come and see. So Nathaniel gets up, goes with Philip to meet this Jesus from Nazareth. And Jesus sees him coming, sees him walking in his direction. And he pays him a very high compliment. Jesus brags on Nathaniel as a man of high character, a man of great integrity. Look at verse 47 one more time. He said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom 
there is no deceit. I believe the King James translates it in whom there is no guile, no deceit, no dishonesty, no trickery. There's really two phrases in that verse if you're going to understand Nathaniel's character and, and, and why Jesus was bragging on him. The first is when he says, uh, in whom there is no deceit, it means he was honest. He wasn't crafty. He wasn't cunning. He didn't try to trick people. He didn't lie to people. You remember when Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden back in the book of Genesis in the form of a serpent and the Bible in that passage as he tempted them to sin says that he was he was more crafty than than everyone else it's, it's this word it's this idea of, of, of using words to mislead people to manipulate people to get them to do things that aren't necessarily in their best interest deceitful that's 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 who satan is jesus later in john's gospel would say that Satan is the father of all lies and, and the father of all liars. And, and every time he speaks a lie, he's speaking from his own nature because he, he, Jesus tells us that Satan's very nature is to lie, to deceive, to be dishonest, to trick, to, 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 to mislead people. But not Nathaniel. It wasn't like that. He had integrity. He was honest. He had character. He was going to do what was right. A few years ago, in Savannah, Georgia, a custodian at a local hospital named Wanda Johnson, she was 35 years old at the time with five children still living at home. One day at lunch, she left work taking her television to a local pawn shop to pawn it for 60 bucks so she could pay her electric bill. On the way back to work, in front of her, an armored car turned and a bag fell off in the road. She got out, picked it up, put it in her car, looked inside. Guess what was inside? Cash. $120,000. $120,000. She just hawked her TV for 60 bucks to pay her electric bill. Now here's there's $120,000 cash in her hands in her car and nobody knows she has it she goes to work she finishes her shift and all afternoon she's struggling what am I going to do what am I going to do what am I going to do and when she gets off she decides the right thing is I, I gotta I gotta turn turn that money in so she calls her pastor and goes over to his house because she wants to make sure she's doing the right thing And he encourages her to turn it in. In fact, he helps her make the phone call to the police. And in short time, the FBI and another armored truck are, are at the pastor's house getting that money. Now, later she got a reward. It wasn't nowhere near $120,000, but she did get a small reward. What would you have done? But don't answer it too quickly. What would you do? What do you do when... At a store or a restaurant, they calculate your bill wrong and it's in your favor. Don't answer too quickly because what do you do every year when you complete your income tax return? The 
on and on we could go. See, see, integrity is not just about the big things, it's about the little things. No deceit's not just about the big things, it can be about little things because it goes to the character because if Jesus can see the big things, guess what? He can see the little things too, correct? And so Nathaniel was the kind of man in whom there was no deceit. He was honest. But, he, but Jesus also said that this man is an Israelite indeed. And that's a big compliment to say that. The nation of Israel is named after a man named Israel. He was the third patriarch, the grandson of Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. But Israel was not his birth name. What was his birth name? Jacob. Jacob was a, was a twin. He had a brother. What was his brother's name? Esau. Which one was actually born first? Esau. Because Jacob came out holding his foot, remember? Trying to grab him and pull him back in, so to speak. Supplant him. And in Jewish culture, the firstborn son of every family received a double portion of the inheritance and at the end of the father's life, a special blessing from the father. And Genesis tells the story of Jacob who was a cunning, crafty, deceitful, lying cheat of a human being. According to the scripture, he manipulated and stole Esau's birthright, that double portion of the inheritance he was supposed to receive. When their father Isaac was an old man and his sight was going, and, and he decided it was time to, to give the blessing to Esau, his oldest boy, <clears throat> sent Esau out to hunt and bring back some meat because he liked meat not vegetables for dinner. Did y'all get that? I like meat and vegetables, okay? In case y'all worried about me. I fixed a big old pot of half-runner green beans last night. They were good. Go to my Instagram, you can see them. They're good. And while Esau's out hunting, Jacob, with the help of his mom dresses up and fakes the voice and pretends to be his older brother and goes into his blind aging dying father and pretends to be Esau and he steals his brother's blessing and so in Jewish history Jacob the name Jacob became synonymous with a liar a deceiver someone who would take from others if it was for his benefit in fact when Esau learned what his brother had done in Genesis 27 Esau said to his dad is he not rightly named Jacob the name fits him it suits him he's a scoundrel Esau became angry and wanted to kill Jacob and Jacob ran away from home with the help of his mother and stayed gone for a lot of years correct But years later, not because of anything good in Jacob, only because of the grace and mercy of God, Jacob had an encounter with God that changed him. And the crook became honest. 
And God said, you're a new man. I'm going to change your name. No longer are you called Jacob. Now you are known as Israel. Later, he and his brother Esau were, were reconciled. And so Jesus sees this man, Nathaniel, coming to him. And he says, Nathaniel, you're, you're a person in whom there is no deceit. You are an Israelite indeed. Nathaniel, there's no Jacob in you. There's no deceit in you. There's no guile in you. There's no trickery in you. There's no dishonesty in you. You're not a Jacob. There's no Jacob in you. You are an Israel indeed, an Israelite, a man of integrity, a man who has devotion to God. It's a high compliment. If Jesus saw you walking toward him, what would he say? If Jesus looked off in the distance and he saw you making your way on the dirt path to where he's at, knowing everything about you, what would Jesus say to you? What would his evaluation of you actually be? And when it comes to this issue of integrity, of genuineness, what would he say? The Bible in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, the one who desires life to love and see good days, what? Must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking, what? Deceit, the same word that's used in reference to Nathaniel by Jesus. See, human nature Human nature is to sometimes lie, sometimes distort, sometimes twist things to our benefit. And I think you and I, as Christians who still live in this in this sinful world, and, and yes, we have the spiritual nature, but you know, I still got this old body, you still got this old body, we still have that, you know, that we're not totally rid of this, and therefore we're tempted sometimes especially in those little ways. We can, we can learn some things from Nathaniel that can help us to be more like Nathaniel when it comes to this issue of character and integrity. And, and the first thing, if you, want, if you want to be someone that Jesus praises when he looks at you, 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 need, to be, you need to become someone who knows his word. And I, I don't mean just knows the story the stories of the Bible, but, but you, you, you know what he's saying in here about the, 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 the life of and the attitude of and the values of a follower of Christ. You, you know Scripture because you know what God says and what God expects. It's hard to do what God wants you to do if you don't know what he wants you to do. If you never listen to his voice, never listen to his words, Nathaniel knew the Bible because... He knew about the Messiah. He knew what Moses had written. He knew what the prophets had written. He knew that the Messiah was not supposed to come from Nazareth. That was the reason he had his questions. And when Jesus said, I saw you under that fig tree, it's a euphemism in their language and culture. When you were sitting under the fig tree, it was a euphemism for meditating on God's word. Unless you were wealthy, as a Jew in that century, you would live in a one-room house, your whole family. It might have an elevated section where you walk up and sleep, but it was basically one room on the inside. And it was crowded, and it was noisy, and if they cooked, it, you know what I mean? 
And uh, you, you had to get out and get away if you wanted any downtime, quiet time. And fig trees grew to be about 15 feet tall, and they were bushy, and they were great shade trees. We don't have them here. They had them there. Great shade trees. And it just became the place you'd go and sit to get out of the, out of the sun and to cool off and to rest. And it was a place of study and a place of reading and a place of meditation and a place of prayer. And I can just imagine when Philip found Nathaniel who'd already known about John the Baptist under that fig tree, he was meditating on some things he'd heard, some things he knew about the Word of God. What, what do you know about Scripture? What, what do you know about the expectations of a disciple that the New Testament describes? If you brought your Bible to church today, when was the last time you picked it up before this morning to bring it to church? And I don't mean pick it up just to move it. I mean pick it up to read it. And if you didn't bring a Bible today, well, why not? The Bible talks about us having a, a love for the Word of God, it being honey on our lips hiding his word in our heart. Why? So we would not sin against God. It's the milk, the meat, it's the meat and the veggies, if you will, that feeds us spiritually and makes us strong. When Jesus resisted the temptations of Satan just a few days after, uh, just a few days before this, this experience written in John's gospel, every time Satan tempted him, Jesus did something. He quoted scripture. In those hard moments of temptation, you need to know what God says and what God expects. Another thing we can learn from Nathaniel is to, is to have a heart that genuinely seeks God. Nathaniel had some questions when Philip approached him, but he did not allow his questions to cause him to do nothing. They didn't become an excuse just to sit there. He got up and he went and checked it out. He went to, to see this Jesus, to hear this Jesus and find out for himself, is he really the Messiah or not? He had a heart that wanted to know. How, how, how much does your heart really want to know Jesus? How much does the deepest part of your soul long to know Jesus, to be in the presence of Jesus, to understand Jesus, to be with Jesus? Do you seek him with all your heart? The Bible says when we seek him with all our heart, we what? We find him. We spend so much of our energy and time seeking everything except the most important thing in life. Put forward some effort. Seek him. Have some hunger, some desire. A third thing, once he learned that Jesus really was who Philip said he was, he came to realize Jesus knew absolutely everything about him. I mean, here he's, he's, he's walking toward Jesus and and, 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 and Jesus says, hey, I saw you under that fig tree. And I know that you're a man of character, of integrity, no deceit, a true Israelite. Jesus, that, that's, what convinced, that's what convinced Philip, or Nathaniel rather, that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus knew everything about him. And brothers and sisters, I, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus knows what you're thinking right now. Jesus knows what you did last night. 
Jesus knows your heart. He knows every. He, he knew what Nathaniel had done, and he knew the what the kind of man Nathaniel was. Jesus, Jesus knows our actions and our attitudes. He looks at us on the inside and the outside. There is nothing, 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 nothing hidden from the all-knowing and searching eyes of Jesus Christ. And if you want to be a man like Nathaniel, you live in that knowledge, that awareness that Jesus is with me everywhere I go, seeing everything I do, hearing everything I say, knowing everything I think. He knows everything about me. And once, once Nathaniel realized that, that Jesus really was the one, the Messiah, he, he was all in. He didn't hold anything back in his walk with Jesus. He began by referring to him as rabbi, a common word of respect for a teacher. But then he said, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And I love that phrase after Jesus had said, you're an Israelite indeed. He said, not only are you the king of Israel, the nation, you're the king of this Israel. You're my king. He went all in with Jesus Christ and there are too many times when too many of us try to live with our feet in both worlds half-heartedly following Jesus Christ and it doesn't work you want to be a man of character you want to be a woman of integrity you want to be a Nathaniel go all in with Jesus don't hold anything back he's got all of you every part of your life every resource in your life every inch of your human being everything that is a part of defining who you are is all in with Jesus Christ and so imagine you're walking toward Jesus like Nathaniel did that day and he sees you what would he say? Bow your heads for prayer. Father, it is an humbling thought to know that you see us and know everything and love us anyway. And I pray, Father, right now that you will help us as we spend these next few moments quietly thinking and reflecting and listening to your voice. We pray, Father, I pray that you will help us to say those things to you that will make things right and become the kind of person for whom everything is okay between us and you. We want you to say about us, well done good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen.